Hey everyone, if you like this podcast, go behind the paywall to get privileged access to the smartest minds in finance. Visit realvision.com slash rvpod and use the promo code podcast10 to get 10% off our essential membership for the first year. Join the Real Vision community and learn how to become a better investor. And now to today's episode of Rao Pal Real Vision. Raul, great to see you again. How are you? Fabulous. Thank you for having me. Looking forward to this. Great to have you too. So first of all, I think it's only right that we just jump straight in and get your take on the current macro environment. How are things looking at the moment? Well, it's a complicated world because the actual economy is slowing down and it's going to be relatively slow for this quarter and next quarter. But the markets priced this in last year, which people can't get their heads around. They're like, we want our recession and we want our crash doesn't really work that way because we had it last year. You know, in crypto markets, we were down 80% last year. People kind of forgotten that. So what the markets are doing is forward-looking. So they're looking forward at where the forward-looking indicators are showing that growth will return, but inflation will continue to fall. Unemployment will rise a bit. So that's a kind of more Goldilocks scenario with economic growth coming back uh, with, without inflation. So that's what markets have been pricing. That's why you know, crypto has been so strong this year and stuff like the NASDAQ has been so strong this year. So I'm very optimistic generally. And I think we're in crypto spring and we'll transition to crypto summer, maybe Q1 of next year. And I've heard you've mentioned crypto spring on a few of your podcasts. For people that are listening, that are very familiar with crypto winter, unfortunately, crypto spring might be a new term for them. How would you define crypto spring? The crypto spring obviously comes after winter and it's after all the terrible news comes out and if you think of spring in terms of weather one day it can snow then it can rain then it could be sunny then it could be warm then it could be cold again it's kind of a weird time but over spring generally the weather gets better and that's what we see in crypto so you get still bad news stories but the market doesn't trade as badly around them it tends to go up over time but it's a bit frustrating because it trades sideways for long periods of time and then suddenly it goes up in two days and then goes sideways and then corrects again, that kind of thing. And that's the environment we've been in. But if you actually step away, if I look at my screen now, Bitcoin's up 72%, ETH's up 45% and Solana's up 140%. So actually, it's been a good year, it just hasn't, hasn't felt that way yet. We're in October already, ladies and gentlemen. We're already seeing some green on the board. Finally. Um, so let's take a look then at some of these catalysts, because as you mentioned, crypto spring, one day we'll look outside and see the sun is shining. One catalyst that I would really like to pick your brains on is crypto ETFs. So from spot Bitcoin ETFs to Ethereum future ETFs. Before we do that, though, I think some context for myself and for some of the people that are watching, when it comes to institutions and what they bring into crypto, aside from liquidity, in your opinion, what do institutions really bring into this, this asset class? Well, it depends how they're going to use it. So they can be investors in it, which is great because if you think of crypto as, a, as an economy, it needs money coming into the economy. Right, because it can't just be us retail lot because we've all got our money in the economy. It needs to get new money. So that's why it's part of this global liquidity cycle. So when people get liquidity, they start investing in riskier assets like crypto and it starts flowing in. So that adds liquidity to the market overall, which means that new projects get more traction and you know it filters through the whole ecosystem. So money like in any economy, this digital economy needs capital coming in. So that's what the institutions bring, but the institutions are also building on top of this. 
you know, everybody from Fidelity to Franklin Templeton to, I think it's Apollo. Um, somebody else announced today that uh, I think it's UBS are building a mutual fund uh, on Ethereum, tokenizing it. So what you're, they're going to bring is use cases. And the finance system is the largest use case of all because it's vast. So that's another thing. Also, the institutions tend to invest in VC, so they're funding the new wave of projects. So if we think about it, about 62 billion went into VC investments in 2020 and 2021 and 2022 or 2020, 2021. That money got put to work by thousands of entrepreneurs who are building new applications, new opportunities. And that's what the, the space needs as well, because we've got this great technology, but technology is not enough. It needs to get to user level. You know, what applications can we use where we don't even see that we're using crypto? So that's why institutions are really important. Also, it's important because things like ETFs allow investment advisors to allocate people's money. So it's not just like Goldman Sachs putting money in. It's actually all of our money, our savings and investments and that kind of thing. So it allows people to participate in this in ways that they couldn't participate before because it was harder for them via investment advisors or financial advisors to actually access tokens. But this, when it's an ETF, they've turned it into an equity, essentially. And you previously worked in Goldman Sachs. You must have a very good ear to the ground when it comes to maybe institutional appetite, depending on where we are in market cycles. At what point do you think during each market cycle the, the institutions really sit up and listen? And is this something that we've seen previously in the past few years and actually at this moment in time, the demand is already there, the appetite is already there, or is this something that in the crypto space we're still building on? Yeah, I mean, I, I speak to a lot of the institutions, both directly with my work at Real Vision, but also with my asset management company, Exponential Age Asset Management. And we've found that it's the latter, that everybody has pretty much done the homework. The pioneers just keep working through the bear market. Again, Fidelity, Franklin Templeton, a whole bunch of these guys. Uh, Texas Teachers Retirement System, you know, they've been involved all the way through. Most other people have done the work. So actually what they need is liquidity and price. So there's not much liquidity around now that we talked about before. So if nobody's got much money, then it's difficult to invest money. But as the stock market start getting closer to all-time highs, people start making money, um, let's say that eventually the Fed cut rates, well, then money starts coming into these kind of assets. So I think most people have done the work on it now. They understand it. Um, and so I think we will see a lot of participation from institutions um, in this cycle, much more than last cycle. There was quite a lot last cycle, quite a lot. But it was a lot of family offices last cycle. This cycle, I think we'll see a lot of the... the pensions, endowments, stuff like that. The big players. So now it's time to pick your brains on ETFs and starting off Ethereum ETFs. And this could be a really critical journey. The next kind of few weeks could be a pretty big one for Ethereum futures ETFs. I want to get your take on the global investment manager Vanek because they have recently announced a plan to donate 10% of their upcoming ETF profits for the next 10 years, I believe, to ETH core developers. Is that a good thing or would you say that actually we kind of need institutions to almost stay out of the runnings of ethereum what's your thoughts um i like it i like the team at van Eck. i know them really well uh you know jan van Eck is a friend of mine i, I their heart is in the right place they understand what this whole system is about um and 
really what they're saying is we understand that a futures ETF is is has less impact on the ecosystem than actual spot Ethereum ETF. So therefore, we just want to give something back to the spot market because don't forget, if people are actually buying Ethereum and they were staking it and doing all of this stuff in mm -hmm. spot, you've got much more impact in the space because futures, yes, the arbitrages will try and keep the price in line. So it does create demand for actual Ethereum, but not necessarily as much demand because people can just trade the futures themselves. So um, I think the Vanek team are really trying to do the right thing. And listen, it's bigger than all of us. And you, we need to allow others to participate and help shape it. If people want their bags to go up, well, they want the institutions to build in this space too. You know, if you want Ethereum to be worth $5 trillion, well, then you're going to need the, the finance system to use Ethereum for settlements and smart contracts and everything else to get there. So, yeah, it's a good thing. And it also helps with the build during a bear market mantra that we run by as well with that little bit of extra backing. Okay, interesting. Thank you for that one. Also, no. the other thing about Van Eck is they even have a hedge fund that just solely invests in crypto assets. Okay. Um, so they're really in this space. I mean, they're properly in this space. They've got NFTs, they do everything. So they're really trying uh, to put their best put, foot forward in the space and be good stewards of the space as well. And you'll never guess who is in the car. <laughs> And welcome back to GM Crypto. Now we have so much fun and exciting stuff coming up for you on today's show. But first, we need to talk about the Coin Bureau Deals page, Guy. That's right, Jessica, because it really is the place to find the very best deals in crypto. For starters, you can find bonuses of up to $40,000 at some of the best crypto exchanges. And that's not all, Jessica, because you can also get discounts on hardware wallets, sign up bonuses for some of the top exchanges, and trading fee discounts of up to 60%. Amazing, Guy. Where can people find this deals page? Well, just head on over to coinbureau.com forward slash deals or use the link in the description. And what's your expectations for the approval of the kind of first round of spot Bitcoin ETFs as well? We recently saw the SEC kind of push back on delays until November for some of the institutions that have got their front runnings in. Is that something that you're not expecting to see until 2024 or could we see it in the near term? So from what I understand, they're not getting rejected for no reason. They're actually getting rejected because I think it's the, either the CME or the CFTC needs to have some component part and that part needs to uh, be approved or, and finalized. And it's actually just that. So it's not like, oh, Gary's trying to slow the whole thing down. There's actually one of the component parts um, of all of these ETFs that require the kind of validation. I think it's from the CME or the CFTC. I'm not sure which one. Uh, probably the CME, that bit uh, needs to come into place. So they're just buying time to get that done. So I still think it happens this year. This year. Okay, awesome. And how are you expecting that to impact the the markets? Is that going to be one of these catalysts that move us over from spring into summer? Um, it depends what price is doing. Because had we have launched a spot ETF in November last year, nobody would have bought it because the market was going down or it was it was feeling terrible. But as the market is recovering and we're in spring, and normally the Q4 is a strong quarter, if you introduce 
spot Bitcoin and spot ETH ETFs into a rising market, you will start to suck in the investment advisors, the individuals who found it too complicated to hold their own wallets and all of that kind of stuff. So it really depends what the market is doing. But I think on balance, it's positive. But really, it'll show up in 2024, 2025, when the cycle's fully underway. It just makes an easy way for people who are not used to the digital side of things to just use equities and get their exposure. So yeah, look, overall, longer term, it's very positive. It's just yet another on-ramp. Um, short term, depends what the price is doing. Price is strong, we'll get a bit of a panic in from the investment advisors and stuff like that. And for your next expectation for next wave of users and people that are getting into crypto, are you expecting it to, for example, double from last uh, last market cycle? I think it was around 450 million people in last market cycle. So are you expecting that to go all the way up to, to 1 billion? You know, from the work that I've done, if I look at the, the rate of change of the adoption, the active addresses, it should hit a billion this cycle. Um, so what is that? How do we get there? I don't know. But there's a lot of things that people don't even know about, like Ticketmaster has issued 30 million NFTs. People don't realize that. So that was 30 million people who weren't crypto people, but because their Ticketmaster um, wallet, where they get their tickets for games and shows, they just drop NFTs into them. So, you know, I don't know how we're going to onboard the billion but it feels like it's coming it could even be dare i say it cbdc's if somebody launches one it could be from india where they're working on their cbdc so there's a there's a lot of different avenues that will create the billion people and this is almost a secret source is it's like with the analogy of the internet you don't realize how the internet works you just use it and i think it's going to be the same for blockchain technology and cryptocurrency adoption it's just something that's integrated into our daily life and we don't have to explain to our grandmothers what they're exactly doing within the space yeah i mean look we're both talking to each other in different continents using different um wi-fi using different service providers on different computers using different microphones everything works and we don't even know and don't care mm -hmm. neither of us care what technology we're on because it just works we just click on zoom talk so that's how all of this will work in the end so moving on to the kind of, you mentioned Ticketmaster there, and I think it kind of, it is a nice segue into the adoption of layer twos that we are seeing in the space. You did a recent interview with Outcoin Daily, excellent podcast and interview, so I'll leave a link in the description for anyone that has not yet watched it. And you did mention some layer two projects that really have the potential to impact the market in next market wave. And there was also some questions about how some layer two projects accure their value. Um, and if we're looking at price action for next market cycle, I mean, Solana in 2021, that was 12,000% up. It was kind of exponential. What are you looking out for for next bull cycle when it comes to who has what it takes? Layer twos, look, layer twos are cheaper, faster. Um, so that works. So, you know, Polygon, Arbitrum, all of that stuff, that probably works very well. Um, and so, I think we will see ongoing adoption of those. So only some of the value accrues to ETH because they batch transactions. So they take a whole bunch and then it goes onto the ETH chain. So you're using kind of one ETH slot for a lot of other slots. So it has an impact on ETH. It's good. More people are building on ETH. So that's great. I think that continues. Uh, Solana, I think, is going to be the big story of this cycle 
of the main chains because they're launching Fire Dancer or Jump Is, which is a different validator, which actually, I mean, believe it or not, is going to run at 600,000 to 1.2 million TPS. So this is the fastest thing by a long way. Considering Solana and Polygon are the two fastest chains at 65,000 TPS and SUI uh, should be about 120,000, but yet to get there. Um, this is just different order of magnitude. This is 10x the fastest ever thing we've ever seen. Um, and so, and it's not a layer two, it's just Solana. So this is a game changer. It means the whole finance system can be built on it. It was designed by Jump Trading, who are high frequency traders who understand the latency and sheer capacity requirements for things like exchanges to run. So I think Solana is a very big story. Uh, we're seeing a lot of activity there. Then I think, I don't know what the, the new Solana will be, but we're seeing a lot of interest both in uh, gaming. Oh, I've got my reactions coming up for some reason. Um, both in gaming um, and also in um, zero knowledge stuff. And there's also DeFi. So I, I don't know. It, it becomes really hard to know which is the big area. Uh, but those are the three I hear a lot. But I tend not to go that far out the risk curve just because it's difficult to choose the right thing, you know. But, you know, you figure that if the space is going up, then Bitcoin and ETH will do well and Solana will do well. Solana's got this extra kicker, which is, um, I think, potentially a game changer. So I think that's probably the, the layer one that does, the big layer one that does the best in the cycle. Then we've got the kind of Aptos and Sueys and those kind of things. Let's see how they do, what traction they get. Uh, the layer twos will be interesting. And then these these other kind of applications, as I said. Nice. And you mentioned Ticketmaster earlier on. Is that Polygon? Flow, I think. Flow, Flow and Polygon, maybe. Not sure. Interesting. But Polygon's done quite a lot of that kind of stuff. Yeah. And we're also we're seeing these mainstream company names and entities there that are coming on board. I mean, we saw Solana and Visa also have these agreements for payments. So very interesting time for the kind of payment space. And it seems to be getting faster. Now moving on to speaking about, you have acknowledged sometimes that we are in a recession already. Would that be fair to say? That's what I think. You know, if ask anybody who's not laid off people from their business, who's not seen a decline in sales, who's not seen a decline in activity. I mean, literally everybody has. Now it's not just crypto, it's across the board. So I think we have been in recession um, and maybe that comes up in the numbers in this in this quarter and next quarter because all my forward-looking indicators which precede that always showed that we we were in recession so i think the numbers will show recession but the markets will be trading recovery and i i listened to a podcast where you compared it almost to the kind of the 1990s recession which was fairly kind of in brackets mild mild event um and I think what was interesting there is we know in kind of when we look at the markets, history doesn't repeat, but it, it certainly does rhyme. And what followed on from the 1990s recession, then we had the kind of the dot-com bubble in the late 1990s. And I'm curious to see if you would expect a demand for a similar replica to the dot-com bubble, maybe when it comes to AI stocks or tech stocks or even crypto. It really depends how long this cycle can go on for. The 90s cycle was long. It was 1990 till 2001. That was 11 years. Wow. Right now, all of the cycles are about four years. So it's hard to build up the imbalances. 
Because if we didn't have a down cycle, okay, crypto would have been in a huge bubble. Um, so it really depends whether these cycles repeat themselves. And I think it's based on the refinancing of the government debts, which are all around you know, three to five years. And so you get this four year cycle all the time. So yes, we will definitely see something that goes into a bubble and whether it's AI or whatever it may be, who the hell knows. Um, and then as liquidity comes out, it'll get deflated. But again, the key point that people have got to understand is these are not mean reverting. We know this from crypto. The actual trend is up and all you're doing is going up and down within the bigger trend, which is why you always have to use log charts for this stuff to truly understand what's going on. Because people think, oh, crypto collapse is down 80 percent. You know, it's back to where it was. It's not. It's back to the highs of the previous cycle. You know, it's like you have to keep it in your head where that actually, you know, all the lows are higher and the highs are higher over time. Zoom out, guys. Look at the broader context. Um, you reference an 11-year price cycle there from 1990s to 2001. We're talking about kind of four-year cycles in crypto, as you've mentioned. When we look at these market cycles, how sustainable are the four-year market cycles? How much longer do you think that the, the crypto industry has it in it to see these big old price gains where people go, right, I'm stacking up my bag. And then in 2025, this is it. I'm going to go <laughs> retire on an island somewhere. Are you saying, you know, this is something that will just continue for the foreseeable future? Do you have a, a hard cap on how much longer we could see market cycles like this? This is to do with the business cycle. Mm -hmm. It's actually not to do with the halving cycle. And it's happening to technology stocks. It's happening to everything. It's happening to commodities. So everything is in this very cyclical world. So it's something we have to get used to. But I think the cyclicality over time becomes less. So each drawdown in crypto, the overall market falls less. And you can use Bitcoin as the best example. Each time it just falls a little bit less. So maybe next time around it falls 60% and not 75%. And the previous time was 87%. The previous time to that was 97%. You know, ETH fell in 2018, 97%. This time it fell 85%. Maybe next time it's 75%. Um, you know, so so volatility does get dampened as more participants come into the space and the more activity. And eventually, once you get kind of financial market activity where, let's say, equities are tokenized and stuff like that, well, then there's ongoing demand for for activity on chain as well. So it's not just based around liquidity, it's just about general activity uh, using blockchain technology. So uh, look, I don't, we're not out of the woods yet. My guess is we have to keep going through this miserable cycle of I, I'm rich, I'm poor um, every <laughs> few years uh, until maybe 2030. Until 2030. So I'm going to kind of press you on that a little bit more. What kind of outlooks do you have for price points they can be kind of in different ranges but you've said that up until 2030 what's some what are some expectations that you do have that you're able you know, to share with us i think we've all learned not to give price expectations anymore because um just because people trying to take them as gospel and as opposed to hey this is my best guess knowing what i know today um but generally speaking if ETH does what Bitcoin did last cycle, then it's three to four times the high of the previous cycle. Mm -hmm. So therefore, you know, that kind of yardstick gives us 15,000 plus. It's, that doesn't sound unreasonable. That's a 10x from here. 
that's possible. That would be within the realms of normality. And then something like Bitcoin, maybe it does slightly less because it's a more mature ecosystem. And something like Solana would do significantly more. So that's how I think about it. Um, I think the overall space can go from a trillion today to maybe 10 trillion at the peak of the next cycle. So that's a 10x for the whole space, possibly. Could be a 5x, but you know, it's something of that magnitude. If we're right in a hypothesis that more and more people will use blockchain technology um, for underlying use cases. If that's the case, yeah. And you've been in this industry for quite a few years now, I think it's fair to say, and you have been keeping your eyes and ears open to what has been going on. It must feel quite rewarding that at this moment in time, we're talking about kind of large institutions getting in. We're talking about the kind of uh, spot Bitcoin ETFs entering the market. You've mentioned Ticketmaster there as kind of these big adoption plays. Do you think the media right now are really reflecting the good news that we are seeing in the space? Or do you think we are really, we've come a long way and it's kind of more bullish for you? The media narrative has always hated this. And I don't know why that is. Um, they're always skeptical. Journalists by nature, generally skeptical people. And so they were skeptical of the internet. They were skeptical, you know, they're skeptical of EV cars. They've been skeptical. Um, they're skeptical of everything. Um, so I think that continues for a while. And, but we keep looking back and go, look how far we've come. And, you know, it's another few trillion in price and value and stuff like that. And then it becomes unarguable. I mean, there's no journalist who says, well, I think the internet's a fad. Or the mobile phones are fad. Mm -hmm. But they did. And there's articles all over the place of them saying that back in the day. So, you know, it's just it's just how it goes. If you're, I mean, this is a very interesting technology because we were able to front run the institutions. It's the first time that individuals have had the power to participate in a cutting edge technology before the VCs and the and the big institutions. Um, so it's a bit weird for all of us to be fighting the news flow. Normally, we'd only get the opportunity to invest when the news flow has changed and, you know, Microsoft IPO comes out and then we can invest in that. So it's just very different. We're having to learn the different skill of being the most hated participants until we're proven right. And we, I mean, Christ, when I first got into this, it was, Bitcoin was $200. I mean, it's come a long way. <laughs> oh, absolutely. It has. And it's, um, and I'm sure the events as well that we're attending as well started off maybe 30 people in an underground room. And now it's suddenly become this huge, enormous ecosystem, which is amazing to see. When you do go to these events, it's amazing who's there. I mean, you're with technologists, finance people, um, artists, musicians, you're with some of the most incredible mix of people. And everybody's really smart. They've really learned about this. And I've never seen anything like that happen before. My guess is the internet was a bit like that as well, in the early days of the internet, uh, where people started realizing the power of it. But it's just, you know, the random people you meet at these crypto events, you're like, oh, my God, we're so lucky. It's like this magic moment in time. And I am going to ask you about the upcoming Real Vision event just before we do, because we did speak a little bit about kind of the media representing the industry. For a lot of people that are watching that maybe are new to the space this year or last year, is there any warning signs or things that you would advise newcomers in the industry to look out for when it comes to potential market moves or sentiment movers, whether that's kind of regulation, 
Um, it can be, you know, the FTX trial is something that's coming up that are in a lot of people's calendars. The biggest problem new investors faces themselves. Okay. Right. It's like FOMO mm -hmm. and excessive narratives, excessive tribalism are all the things that will get you into trouble. You need to always step back, understand what risks you're taking, why you're taking those risks, and try and fight the FOMO. Have a plan and try and stick to that plan. Yes, you can adapt it. And then be careful where you get your information from. You know, there's, there's a lot of trusted people in the space, but there's a lot of people that seem alluring because they want to tell you you're going to get rich. Now, yes, there's plenty of opportunity to make money in all of this. But just choose trusted sources. Be careful who you follow and don't become trapped in one narrative. Things change. This is technology. Um, it's market. So be adaptable. Those things will help more than anything else. Of course, you will see regulation. Of course, you will see sell-offs. Of course, you'll see blow-ups. That's all part of being in financial markets and a new space. So expect all of those. Expect that you will be feeling really miserable with yourself because your tokens are down 75% in three years' time. Expect that to be normal. And if that's part of your plan and your time horizon, then that's okay. If it's not, if your time horizon is to try and get out somewhere in the peak, you'll never time the peak perfectly and you'll have FOMO and feel miserable about it. I never forgot when I... So I bought my Bitcoin at 200. I sold out two, two and a half thousand in the forking wars when I didn't understand what was going on. Price was starting to go vertical. I'm like, listen, I've made 10x my money. This is an amazing investment. It then went up another 10x in the next six months. I mean, that's enough to drive you insane. Um, but, but that's what will happen to you. You know, you will close out too early or close out too late. All of this stuff. It's okay. The best thing to do is get yourself an education in how to in how to invest and how to think about this stuff. And this is one thing that I would say, Real Vision, you do exceptionally well with putting out daily content to really educate viewers. You have got an event coming up, which is free for participants to attend. Can you talk us through what the what the event is? It's actually a festival of learning. It's actually around this topic, uh, and we partnered with Ledger. Um, you know, we're, we're good friends with the with the Ledger team. Um, and the idea is to help educate people. So we've got a two-day event on October the, I think it's the 12th and 13th. And that's where we will bring some of the best participants in the entire space together and educate people on, on everything from security, because we've got Ledger, to how to invest stuff. We're also building crypto courses at Real Vision as well. But this event, it's free to join. You just go to realvision.com forward slash festival um, and prepare to get yourself an education by the greatest names in the space. It's a it's a really good thing. And, and it's basically, I don't know what the title is. Let me just double check what the title of the event is because it's the next digital asset wave and how to prepare for it. And that's the whole point is we want to help people in this cycle. You know, your audience, we want them to succeed because there's a lot of people who, who don't really care. But I've been in this space long enough. You've been in this space long enough. We want to help people. So that's what it's... It's all about the Festival of Learning with Ledger. It's a really great event. Then afterwards, we're building a Ledger Quest, which are these gamified education platforms with them as well. And we're giving away branded Ledger devices to people who come. They're really cool. 
all sorts of stuff happening around it, some NFTs going around it as well. So realvision.com forward slash festival and, you know, level up your knowledge. That's why we're here. Exactly. Well, I'll leave a link in the description as well for anyone that just wants to check it out. Ralph, thank you so much for joining. Thank you for sharing your insights. As always, it's a pleasure to catch up and enjoy the event. I'll absolutely be tuning in. Absolutely. Thanks so much. And we'll speak again soon. What's up, revolutionaries? Thanks for tuning in. For more content like this, head over to realvision.com and get unfiltered access to the very best, brightest and biggest names in finance.